Dave and Dujanovic have inside sources. The president will be speaking in about an hour and 20 minutes from now. I mean, that's the scheduled time. We don't know what Biden's standard time is this morning. Uh, <laughs> it's always I funny because he's never on time. Hi, Boyd. Um, Boyd Matheson in studio while Dave and I are broadcasting live from Grantsville High. Uh, and we got the notification from the newsroom while we're out here in the field, Boyd, that the budget has been released. And I'm looking at some of the, the highlights or lowlights, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, I'm looking at things like it calls for uh, new taxes on the wealthy, uh, defense spending, uh, it's a $26 billion increase in Pentagon spending to $842 billion, and also uh, nearly $25 billion uh, to strengthen border security, which is an $800 million increase over, over 2023. Uh, what are you seeing in the fine print that catches your eye? Well, I think the important thing to, to look at in this particular budget is uh, this is really a political statement more than it is a budgetary statement. Uh, and let me tell you why that's the case. Uh, so one, the, the president actually doesn't want Congress to vote on this budget uh, because he would he would lose probably to the tune of what Barack Obama did in 2011 uh, when President Obama put forward a budget and a democratically controlled Senate voted it down 99 to 1. Uh, and so, so what the president is is doing here? There, there are some. These are really like uh, chips in a game. There, he's putting them all on the board, uh, which will cause and force the Republicans to respond either with their own plan or a negotiation. So this is this is more like first move uh, from the president. Uh, the fact that he's unveiled this this morning and then he's really unveiling it officially uh, at a speech in Pennsylvania. Uh, which it's is very, spot. very well, spot. and very important for him in terms yeah. of uh, announcing a re-election, which will which will be coming soon. And so, uh, a lot of this is a little bit more high-level politics and positioning than it is actual dollars and cents, because we actually don't even have a, a number from the Congressional Budget Office in terms of what would all of this actually do. And that's when you you know you're getting serious when you get a score from the Congressional Budget Office because they make you show ah. your math. Yeah. Nobody likes to actually do the math in Washington. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a bold statement, I know. But what are, what are, what's at the top of the wish list uh, from President Biden? Because I think that you're right. This is a time to signal, to say what you prioritize. What do you think is the top of that wish list? Well, I, I think the top priority for the president, again, this is, this is more politics than policy today. Uh, the top of his wish list is having the, the conversation starter of, tax the, the wealthy, that the, the answer to whatever the question is, is, is tax the wealthy. Uh, and, and so that's going to be part of what this particular plan is. If you look in, if you do look at the fine print in terms of what it says in terms of raising taxes on the wealthy, there's some pretty interesting things in there uh, in terms of raising taxes. It would raise about an additional $3 trillion over a 10-year window, which is how you always look at these things. Uh, but there's some pretty peculiar things in there as well. One that we've talked about on this show before, which is the unrealized capital gains tax. So if you if you bought a, a stock at $100 and it went up to $200, but you still held on to it, uh, they want to be able to tax that unrealized capital gains. Now, they only want to do it on the super wealthy, uh, but we know whatever happens to the super wealthy ultimately happens to the rest of us. Well, I'm just hoping that... I- 
a tax uh, a stock would double if I owned it. It never does. It goes the other direction. Do I get money back from President Biden? Exactly. When that happens? Funny, funny thing, Debbie. <laughs> That's where you get the donut hole, <laughs> where you don't you don't get it back. But Dave can take I, a bite out of it. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm looking. I, I'm looking at. I'm just. I just pulled up a couple of articles out here while we're you know, broadcasting remotely in Grantsville. Boyd, and I'm seeing that he's also pushing for 12 weeks of paid leave in the budget. Now, I would have, I would have loved that if I would have uh, been able to use that in the 90s when I was having my firstborn, and I had to take my own time and then take time off without leave or without pay uh, to give birth. But I'm looking at this, and it says uh, he's asking Congress to approve up to 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave as part of his annual budget. He also wants lawmakers uh, to require businesses to give their employees seven days off each year to recuperate from routine illnesses. Uh, How does that float your boat? Uh, So, again, these are all kinds of things in the... uh uh, the, the wish candy list, uh, so to yeah. speak. Uh, he's he's really kind of laying all of these markers out there. He's also included expanding the child tax credit, again, very po- popular. So if you go down these, there's a lot of very popular, populist-type uh, messages in there. Most of them are, are non-starters. You have to remember, we're in divided government. Uh, and so part of this has to originate with the House. Uh, and with a Republican-controlled House, a lot of those things are just not going to see the light of day. Uh, I do think it was interesting uh, that the president said, yes, we do need to uh, bolster defense spending. So tradition, this is where the president's going to have some problems within his own party uh, in terms of uh, those who, thinks we, who think we should be cutting uh, the military and defense budget. Uh, the president's saying, no, we actually need to increase it. So hmm. he, he's got some uh, – again, these are markers he's putting out there and not just to do battle with the Republicans. The president is also positioning very wisely, very importantly, within his own party – because you have to remember, in 2024, not only is will he be up for re-election, you'll have 23 Democratic seats up in the Senate. And if they want to maintain control, you have to get people like John Tester from Montana. You have to get Joe Manchin uh, from West Virginia, uh, Senator Cinema uh, from uh, Arizona, and so on. And so the president is doing a lot of positioning with these statements today and these pieces of his budget. Uh, none of them we really expect to see happen They're all just part of a campaign of communication that the White House is trying to get out there that will be the beginning of conversations and negotiations for an actual budget. Negotiating through thousand-page documents just seems (laughs) wildly ineffective. Is there anything that perhaps Republicans could look at and say, you know what, I think I could work with him on this specifically? Yeah, I, I think so. I think there are areas in there. I think the child tax credit will be one where there'll be a lot of conversation. The border security that Debbie mentioned earlier is one that will will get some traction as well. Uh, I think there's some some interesting things in there in terms of some of the family policy uh, that I think will, will be good. And I also think there are some places the president, I don't think will mention this today, uh, but I think there is part of this where the president's going to say, let's look at some of those lower level entitlement programs, not Social Security, not Medicare, not Medicaid, not any of those things. But some of these lower level things that maybe aren't doing what they're supposed to or maybe not producing the right result that could actually be on the table for once, which I, I think would be really smart for the president to do, to say, look, we believe government needs to be strong and needs to play in these spaces but if we're going to play there, we're going to we're going to do it right, and we're going to either make them effective or we're going to get rid of them, uh, and that would be a big game change. And I think President Biden could actually pull that off, both with Republicans and with Democrats.
Boyd Matheson, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're back in studio today. We're out here in Grantsville. Great to talk with you about this. The president, once again, speaking live at 1230. Uh, that's our time. Again, we're checking on what Mr. Biden's standard time is today. Usually he's a little late for his own news conferences. Uh, but, of course, we'll be taking you there live when it does happen. Uh, also, I listened at, uh, to Boyd's conversation that he had yesterday during his show with Senator Mitt Romney. And if you missed that, it is definitely worth listening to. You can podcast uh, that conversation and all of our all of our shows on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, straight ahead, we're speaking live with the superintendent of the Tooele County School District. And, Dave, you've been taking a look at this really big study from Envision Utah. We're going to take a deep dive into that more next week. But the top, one of the top issues that stood out to you that we want to maybe ask the superintendent to to chime in on is, is what? Yeah, it was a survey. Uh, what's the biggest problem with Utah education? Surprise, surprise, teacher pay. What can be done about it, though? 